I lost my virginity to this song. <laughs> what? It was in a van. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Gentlemen's Dojo. We are back to my left from Detroit. Comedian Gary Cannon. My right from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Say it. Comedian Steve Byrne. Yeah. We. We're back. Just got back. Yeah, Literally yeah. just got back into town. Why well, you just did. You just did the James Corden Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, special. What it aired? When did it air? It aired. So the Super Bowl aired. Then Stephen Colbert did a live show, which everybody watched. Every- <laughs> then the local news, and then Corden aired right after that. Corden wasn't live, but it oh. was. It was almost live. So how was it? Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who was the guest? Let's see. Cindy Crawford. Well, well, the crazy thing about last night's crowd is that. Most all the guests pre-taped, except Boys to Men, yeah. that run at the very end. And it was funny because Corden was out on the piano doing a little riff on the final score of the game. Yeah. And then he's like, and here, he, they were doing a spoof on the song End of the Road. Um, right. It was called End of the Show. So as he was playing the piano, he said, and here to tell you more is Boys to Men. And then the curtain opened up. And I, by the way, the, the boys are now in their 50s, I guess. I don't well, know they're men. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I, I heard there was originally four. Boys to Men. Now there's three, right? Yeah, the one with the cane. I saw there behind the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one with the cane. The guy that does the bass. He, uh, I guess there's a fallout with him. Oh, really? So, Here's But it's so funny because people always go, how do bands break up? These guys got it made. They're rich. Of course. They're, you know, when you tour <laughs> with other comics, yes. that's when I was like, oh, I see why the Beatles broke up. Of course. Up. I could absolutely see why they broke up. Yeah, yeah. W- why why David Lee Roth gets kicked out of the band, why all this. Yeah. Stuff? Sure. But, but I will say this. Uh... It, it, it was great. Here's what they did, which was so, so awesome. Uh, by the way, Boys to Men have a residency at the Mirage in Vegas. They play there all the time, I guess. Yeah. So so I would go see them. You know I, why I know that? Because I was watching The Bachelor, and that one girl cried, and she ran into the Boys to Men dressing room. I was like, oh, Boys to Men. Oh, that's it. right. That's right, because they were doing that in the Terry Fader Theater. That's this, right, yeah. This is, this is how gay Steve and I are. We're literally planning a night. That I come over to Steve's house and we're gonna watch The Bachelor. She's like, "We'll order pizza. <laughs> we're gonna do it right. Yeah, we should just we should go adopt cats, buy yogurt, and get a bottle of wine and share it together and and just bitch about our girlfriends." And and I was like, "Hey, is is Jess gonna be there?" You're like, "It doesn't even matter. It's just us two, man. <laughs> it just us. We do watch the bat. Well, yeah. the reason is because you do the warm up. You've right. done the warm up for them, and then you watch it. And look, we all know it's garbage TV, but it's. It's really captivating. They know how to hook you. They know yeah. how to hook you. Whoever does the editing for that show, whoever puts the pieces together, they pull say the coming up next week, that person should make $8 million a year because that's the person that keeps the audience coming. coming. And then you watch two hours and you're like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah. I mean, nothing riveting. So that's why it's great to if you do it on DVR to just fast that's forward. It's like Oak rivers. Island. I watch Oak Island the last few seasons. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, there's a sliver of metal. We can't wait to. And every year they leave the island. It's like, well, we have more questions then. It's like, why do I keep? But it's the editing. The editing makes it seem right. like something amazing is going to happen next week, obviously. So this is what happened. We So we were in Chicago, but but what happened was I was supposed to fly home with you guys on that 5 o'clock flight yeah. Sunday back to L.A. Get a call Friday when I was in Chicago 
from the Late Late Show with James Corden, show that I've done only a few times. Mm -hmm. They said, can you come back? We're doing this Super Bowl show. We have our main warm-up that's going to be in the studio. We need a guy outside with another audience because we're going to be doing some antics with them out there. So I said, sure, I can make it. So basically, I had to switch my flags. I had to be to Corden at like 5 o'clock. Yeah. So what I did was you and I were out partying late, got back to the hotel 3.30 a.m. Saturday night, went to bed for two hours, woke up at 5.30, caught my flight back to L.A., got home at 9.30, slept for like four hours, and then went to the show. But here's what's great about what James Corden did, which was awesome. They brought in like 200 people, Panthers fans and Broncos fans, Mm -hmm. and they let them watch Watch the the show, show. watch the Super Bowl. Oh, that's great. On the Price is Right stage. Oh, that's awesome. They put cameras, they put uh, uh, video screens up everywhere. Yeah. Now, here's the other great part. They brought in pizza, beer, chips. Like it was, oh, a, it was a party. It was a great Super Bowl party. Yeah, awesome. Super Bowl party. Not yeah. just one slice of piece, not just, hey, grab four pretzels, one beer. I mean, these people were getting shit canned. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were to tell me, hey, you can watch the, the Super Bowl on the Price is Right stage with liquor and food, I, that's a great viewing yeah. party. So they did that. And then what they did was, if you were a Panthers fan, you came outside and watched the show outside with me. Yeah. And then if you were the Broncos fans, you went into the studio. And then basically the outside shots were them shooting off water, getting the audience wet, shooting off. Uh, James Corden said, we feel sorry. You guys don't have any more food. So they had these chips loaded up in a, a cannon and guacamole loaded just up in a cannon. shot it. Yeah, just That's shot so it funny. and just yeah. went f- flying over everybody. I will say it was so well choreographed because they had to get it done right. quickly. Uh, that I was in and out in under an hour. It was wow. the greatest because I didn't know if I w- was going to do the gig or if it was going to be because sometimes those gigs can be a little tricky. Well, it's amazing because you and I both have done James Corden's show, but I was actually on the air. That's right. And yeah. uh, still, I make more money than you. Oh, Who please. cares? Okay. Who cares? Are we going to go back to this again? Finally, by the way, we're so excited because the special's <laughs> done. We don't have to mention it anymore. Thank goodness. Well, no, we'll mention it when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> if it does. Oh, shut up. You think up. it will? You were that happy you with are it. The you worst. think it will. You, you think it will. You are the worst. <laughs> By the way, before I literally go out to film my first, uh, the first, you know, there's two tapings, 7, 10 o'clock. Right. Before I go out to film out the, the first taping, I'm in the green room with uh, Gary Gary Cannon, Gareth Reynolds, Bill Crawford, who are other comics there to support and be there and also do a little time before the show. Gary comes in and says, good luck. I really hope you kill it. And then you place a plunger in the middle of the green room, and walk I say, out. It's I, just... I, 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 first of all, I was being very sentimental. I'm like, we're all proud of you. You know, this is a great moment. We're so glad to be here with you. Two seconds later, I bring in a plunger, and I say, we're going to throw this in the backdrop. <laughs> you're the worst, dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're trying to get ready. Okay, so happening. we literally just got back from Chicago. We filmed this hour special. I still have no idea what I'm going to call it. Uh, Gary, you gave me a few names. few names. What, um, what, what do you think I should title it? Plenty of tickets still available. Next uh, one. What, what did I say? Um, oh, wow, wow, wow. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of them that it could be. Um, four, four specials and still no ticket sales. Keep going. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, how much time is on this podcast? Oh, God. I'm just telling you what I know. But, but let me say this, though. Because we, we really haven't a chan- chance to talk much since because I left early and then you know we went out on mm-hmm. Saturday night. Reflecting back, it was two days ago, right? Yeah. Reflecting back on both shows that we we did, right? Yeah. Um, are you completely thrilled and ecstatic about how everything turned out? What is your what is your mindset now that it's done? I I really believe it could not have gone any better. Uh, I think that it starts from the top from Matt Schuler. And his production crew, 
uh, that they, you know, the, the folks that, that filmed this, I mean, they just, you know, Steve, the director, it just flawlessly went as well as it could have. And I think that, look, at the end of the day, when you do the homework, you know, even that last week leading up to it, I was like, I'm running myself ragged. Do I need to do this? And right. I said, well, I'll, I'll rest the week after, you know, just one more week, work your ass off. And, you know, the, the, the week of, I, I flew out to Chicago. I did press. I didn't have to. Uh, the shows were already sold out. The next day I got up at four in the morning to fly to Sioux City to do a, a warm-up show. From there I flew to Wisconsin. I did a show at Skyline. I drove three hours that night to get back to Chicago to do a show the next day at Zany's. Yeah. So I did all these tune-up shows and um, I just, I, I was completely ready for it to happen. And I think some people, after you film an hour, they think, oh, it's so exciting. It's so, it's like, it's not, that's not the feeling you have. It's, Whenever you watch a marathon runner cross the finish line, they just drop to the ground. It, that's what it feels. It's like relief. Right. It's like, oh, the last for two years of my life, starting from scratch in that club in Baltimore. I forget the name of it, but I just Magoobies. Magoobies. Yeah. <laughs> I ate a bag of dicks. Like right. ate it because I was starting from scratch. I sure. had nothing. I had a blank notebook. I wrote some things down. Two years ago, I was, uh, you know, I'm in Magoobies, just eating it. And then you fast forward a year and a half, two years later to Chicago, and it just like it, I, I was, I was really. This is the first one I truly feel like extremely proud of. Yeah, and I think there's a reason I invited my parents there. Jess's parents, Jess was there. My right. brother was there. I had all you guys come out. Yeah, and I was like, this is the one where I feel like you know, th- th- you know, there's no, I, I don't know. I just felt really proud of it. Well, it's crazy because you could tell that you put so much work into it. I mean, just leading up to the very end, and, you know, we did a show at Zany's Friday night where you ran through it, and they were great. Everybody over there was great. But you you didn't, even when we went out afterwards, after we did the show Friday night at Zany's, we were all drinking, you know, me, Bill, and Gareth, because, you know, obviously we could. And I I remember getting you a drink. You're like, no, 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 not until Saturday. I mean, like, you really were focused on making sure – you know, all the, the, the T's were crossed, the, the I's were dotted. Like, you really went into this thing just guns a-blazing. And, you know, it's crazy because we went to the, the theater mm-hmm. Saturday to just do a walkthrough and look around and all this other stuff. And I got to tell you, w- when we walked in at 3 o'clock, I was like, there's no way this theater is going to be ready in three and a half hours to let it was people like in kitchen and kitchen nightmares or something. Oh my god! It looked walking, like it going around. Yeah, yeah. It looked like somebody was just moving into a house or moving out of a house. There were no chairs were set up. They were still working on the backdrop. The backdrop was broke. It was it was yeah. nuts. And then when we got back at six thirty, the lights were down. The the these chairs were in place. Music playing. I'm like, oh my god! It looks like a totally different complex in here it looked great yeah i was a little nervous too because yeah. i was like is this gonna be situated and <laughs> no it was it was really weird because i i just remember thinking no chairs were out the, the woman's still painting the backdrop i'm like what shouldn't this be done i mean like yeah. it, just, it just seemed a little crazy and then to walk in three and a half hours later and to see how great it looked and at some point during uh this we'll have to acknowledge like how many great people came out including farad and jennifer and her old group i mean you know it we we had some great fans that came out and, and i knew that after the first show yeah because you nailed it and the show was so good that you were able to go into the second show and and do your thing you know what i mean so i knew that you felt really good about it yeah do we, we just hung up. Wow. Oh. 
Okay, let me text him. Because uh, we have a good friend of ours, Gareth Reynolds. But 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 you know what I'm saying? Like so many so many comics. That, most comics do two shows. They do two tapings. And yeah. you know the, the the problem what you don't want to have happen is that first show is kind of like uh, uh, wasn't feeling it. Right. Wasn't really what I wanted. Now it's all or bust on the second show. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, the problem. Well, Gareth Reynolds is joining us. Gareth, how are you, buddy? Gareth, how are you? Hi, Steve. It's Gareth. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Our good friend Gareth Reynolds, hey, who uh, opens quite a bit and works on the road with us, uh, and actually was on the second taping. Uh, Bill yes. Crawford uh, opened the first show. Gareth Reynolds opened the second show. Gareth, uh, how, how were your feelings on the taping uh, going in Chicago, and w what are your thoughts looking back over the course of the last year leading up towards uh, seeing an hour come together? Uh, what are your recollections and, and memories? Uh, well, I thought the taping was great. The taping is is crazy, but uh, it was great. Thankfully, Gary's warm-up, they were able to overcome it because it was a little low energy. I don't know if Gary was <laughs> or what his deal was. I know he'd eaten a lot of pizza the night before. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was amazing, honestly. Like, the... Uh, just watching watching it all come together is really crazy. I think it's the first time I've gone on the road with you this much and then gone to the taping as well, which is really just, you know, the culmination is crazy. And I thought it went great. I mean, my set was lovely, but I thought you just murdered, so it was very good. It was fun. And, and since you're on the phone, we could, you know, Gary and I will get back to talking about this special in a sec, but you're on the phone. Um we played Whirly Ball in Chicago. Yes. And yes. to anybody listening who's not from the Chicago area, how would you now, as a veteran of Whirly Ball, how would you describe Whirly Ball to anybody who has no idea what we're talking about? Well, Steve, it's a life-changing experience. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> wow. It, obviously, there's two versions of you. There's you before you pop the Whirly Ball cherry, and then there's you after. Um, <laughs> it is quite the time. I don't know how somebody comes up with the idea that bumper cars, high lie, wiffle ball, and basketball, <laughs> having a baby will be a great decision. But that guy, give him more acid. <laughs> well, Friday night to blow off some steam, I thought, you know, some people may want to drink. I definitely don't want to drink. I don't want to go to bar. So let's take everybody to Whirly Ball. Whirly Ball is literally one of my favorite things to do in Chicago. And basically what it is is... Exactly what Gareth described. It's a magnetized floor, bumper cars, five guys aside, and we played. And, you know, there's times where you're, it gets a little violent, because, <laughs> especially well, with me. <laughs> does it get a little violent, Steve? <laughs> or did you make it violent? Well, if you go on my Twitter page at Steve Burn Live, I, someone took a picture literally at the exact moment because anytime Gareth was coming my way or heading my way, I would take my, my, my racket and I would just chop him in the hand. And I'd always go, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. But Gareth would just laugh it off. He knew I was, I was really trying to gun for his hand. And then Gareth yeah. is going down for a breakaway, and as you're going down, 
No one's on you. I'm right behind you in hot oh. pursuit. I take my racket and I chuck it and I bean you right in the head. And someone took yeah. a picture at the exact moment that it <laughs> nailed you. You see my racket right falling. After. Gary's yeah. off to the side laughing. I'm in the back laughing, but also like, oh, I hope I didn't hit him too hard. And your eyes are just like, is, what the fuck? That is fuck? not what your face is. Oh, I hope I didn't hit him too hard. Your face is like, right. fist, bitch, fist. <laughs> but you guys won. Well, it's yeah, like we Mike smoked. Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and I think once you started, once you stepped it up, Burn, it was like, oh, shit, okay, we can, we can try to knock the wiffle ball out of the other <laughs> opponent's hands. Well, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming out to Chicago to the taping. Um, had you been to an hour special great. taping before? Uh, I, no, I hadn't. Not, especially not like that. Not like back-to-back tapings where, you know, you get kind of two cracks at it, which I think is, you know, also just such a great component of it. But no, I know. And, and honestly, being able to, you know, going back to like the video village and like watching on monitor some of the stuff, because you get a sense when you're there watching it, you're like, oh, you know, there's a lot of cameras. This is going well. But when you see it on monitor, then you really are like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, like you can clearly see where this is headed. You see how professional it looks. I mean, you had five cameras, right? Yeah, and even that jib, that large crane, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't wait to see those kinds of shots. And I, I know even you were telling me, I think it was you, there's there's a camera operator who had the uh, camera attached to his hips and was walking literally down the center of the audience in the middle oh, of the yeah. show. So it's very distracting. And then I remember you just tell me afterwards, you're like, I know it kind of threw the audience off. It might have thrown you off, but uh, it looks awesome. And well, you... you... You know how it is, too. Like, you know, I mean, the truth is that even even if there's one moment that you are thrown by that guy, at the end of the day, the amount of great, like, push-in shots or shots where he's pulling back, kind of revealing the crowd, I mean, those, you know, it's just going to make it... It's just going to be great, I'm sure, you know. So Plus I think good, that'll help it. The production value is strong. I think the good news, too, is that sometimes you see a lot of these camera guys and they're so involved in the show and they're laughing and they're enjoying the show and they're not really getting the shots that they need. But go. I think our crew was just, they were so focused because the material just didn't affect them at all. So that's you why know, all the camera shots should be so it, steady. It, Jesus Christ. What's great, what's great about what Christ. Gary is about to bust balls is there's sort of a three to four second window in <laughs> where you're kind of like, is he about to be genuine? And then you start to see the wave. Well, Gareth, then. Why don't you tell them, why don't you tell everybody about the moment that Gary was genuine? Oh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'm sure, any, I'm sure as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, Gary really busts balls. And so we're in between the tapings, and Steve obviously is, you know, is happy about the first show, focused on the second show, just kind of just sitting back there shooting the shit. And Gary is just taking every opportunity to throw this show under the bus, to throw material under the bus. So he's doing this nonstop, which is really nothing irregular. And, and, right. and, then, and then at one point he leaves for a second, giving Steve a breather to kind of be like, Jesus, he's relentless. When Gary walks back in with a plunger from the bathroom, <laughs> sets it on the ground. Just like it's just just not really even saying much either, just insinuating that, you know, tonight is a clogged toilet. <laughs> and then after we laugh about that for, you know, a minute, just gotta be like, Jesus Christ, Gary shuts the door and is like, You guys, I wanna be I wanna be serious for one second and then Burn, I think I speak for, for Crawford, Gareth and I when I say 
you know, this is great, and, and we really appreciate it. We're so thankful for you. And you're just sitting there like, didn't this dude just bring a goddamn <laughs> Like, that's the same guy. And then when we're all looking at him like, Gary, shut the fuck up. You know, you're busting balls or something. He's like, no, guys, can I not be serious? <laughs> and it's like, no, you can't. You just brought a plunger in the fucking yeah. room, you asshole. No. Yeah, no it's still can't. in the room. Get the plunger out, and then you can be serious. It's, yeah, no, Gary, Gary it still had fecal matter on it. Like, listen to the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> well, Reynolds, we can't thank you enough. Yeah, and great. I, I got to tell you, I can't thank you enough for being such a great partner in crime for the last, especially the last year, you know, I think we started working together in Wisconsin again, and that's when, we, you know, the dates started coming in, and you've been just such a great guy to travel with, be on the road well, with. You gave me a lot of tags, and uh, and to have everything culminate this last week and you be a part of it, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Well, I, I won't get into it too far, but it's a two-way street, and you are the best, Steve. Gary, you're by okay the way, time. By the way, what did you say to Gareth that one at the bar? You said, what was it, a shitty show brought you two guys together, and I said that's how you and I met. Okay. We met on Sullivan and Son. Jesus Christ. That is a true story. Would you shut I'm up? I'm telling you what you My, said. Shut. I never. Fuck off. You did. Absolutely. God almighty. Gareth, well, your schedule Gareth. looks empty now until Steve does his fifth special, <laughs> which won't Gary, move ticket. All right. Good. <laughs> Love you, Reynolds. You're the best. See you, buddy. Love you, Steve. You're the best, buddy. Steve. Love you, Gary. Talk to you. Okay. Bye, bud. Bye, bud. Well, I, I want to say this. You know, there was a. You know, look, at the end of the day, when you see these hour specials come out, you think, oh, okay, that, it's a bunch of jokes, whatever. Right. There was a pivotal moment at the, you know, at, at least for this special where I was doing this kind of um, thing where I, I, you know, look, I have my parents introduce me. I right. talk a lot about being married, about my kids, and I have this nice send off message. And you and I had discussed this before where I had a really, really sexual joke at the end that did really well for me for the last year and a half on the road, I'd say, since I wrote it, and it's an analogy between uh, blowjobs and girls buying shoes and yep. our affinity for it. And that was my closer. That was my closing bit for a long time up until I just kept thinking, this is more family-oriented. Right. Not let it's a family, like you're going to sit and watch with your family, but the... I, I, I always saw it, look, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and they're going to remember how you end this bit. So do you want to sour all the goodwill and in, in, in the, you know, not smart necessarily, but but not low-hanging fruit in terms of the work I put into the jokes and it being more personal. And so I just said, I think I know how to end this show. And I did this something where I'm paying forth a message maybe to my kids to, you know, think about as they get older so as i'm doing this bit and i'm memorizing it and i'm doing it on the road literally for four weeks the last month i'd kind of chicken out and i said okay this is the month i'm going to work on this i it's do or die so i would work on this bit and i'd still keep in the bit and then i just after the first the first weekend of it i just thought i think there's something here because i would get compliments from the audience by it so then i have this uh Great kid, Jemiah yeah. Rogers, opening for me, who's a great blues guitarist, I think. Why not pay homage to Chicago in some way, but not have a blues legend? Let's get something, because I talk so much about, about my kids and this being, right. you know, something, you know, younger in spirit. Why not have a young prodigy come up, and this kid comes out, and he wails, so he plays me on, and then I, the, the, the deal was he's going to play me off stage as well. Right. And then I thought... Maybe uh, two weeks out, I thought, why? Uh, let me see if Jemiah would be game for him playing underneath the spoken word the thing. The closing bit. 
And so I said, Gary, I know you give me a lot of shit. I know, but I also know that we are good friends and I can depend on you to be very honest with me. And you've right. been very honest with me w- with a lot of things when I pull you aside and say, look, this does mean something special to me. Right. But I have to have those conversations. Sure. Otherwise, you're just going to keep shitting on me. So so I say, Gary, please be honest with me. Come to the rehearsal. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? So Jemiah and I get on stage. We run through it. I do this spoken word thing. And by the way, I added a joke up top doing a callback about my wife with the boxer briefs. Yep. At the literally the night of because I thought there should be a joke to introduce this, and then you can go into it. Because then people are going to go, oh, is this serious or what? You know, they, they're right. confused. But So even last minute tinkering happens on the day of. And I'm so glad I had that because it was a nice seg into it. But um, Jemaya and I going up on stage, and then we do it. And you are on the stage with me and Matt Schuler. And then what it. are you thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, when you're rehearsing it at the time, I, I didn't really like it just because I thought you put so much work into that spoken word closing bit mm-hmm. that I almost felt like Jemiah's guitar was bleeding over it. Right. And you couldn't really hear it. It just wasn't in sync. And it was nobody's fault because that was the first time you'd rehearsed it. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't your fault. But I just felt like... Maybe if you guys had had a couple of days to just kind of sit down and, you know, rehearse it and he would just kind of know the right beat in terms right. of what you wanted. And I, just, I wasn't a fan of using him to close with that bit. I was just like, yeah. bring him on after you do the bit. And then Matt Schuler, who was up on stage, said, hey, why don't we try to listen to how it sounds in the back? Because I think because we're too close to it. And we're right over each other with the monitors. Maybe we're getting a different perspective than what the actual audience would hear. Yeah, and I was thinking at the time when we were rehearsing it, I'm going, I could go either way on this. Because mm-hmm. I've done it for so long just on my own. But with Jemaya, I thought, maybe it would be good, but maybe it wouldn't be. So because when you told thought, me that, I was yeah. like, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just do it. And then I thought that was it because I trust you. You said... I wouldn't do it, and I said, okay. You worked so hard on the closing bit, but then I thought if you did it first show with him, didn't like it, you could audible and not do it second show. But then I'm like, you want to keep it consistent. Exactly, yeah. So we, Shuler and I jumped down to the floor. Thank God Shuler goes, hey, let's go in the audience where where the audience would hear it. Let's do it. And again, by the way, it looks like the final night of a garage sale. There's no chairs. It's very bare bones. It looks like an empty warehouse. Yeah. And we stand in the back. Which isn't that far. I mean, it's it's a very compact it's an little area. Space, yeah, yeah. Um, and and we listened to it, and and all of a sudden, that few feet back just made a hundred percent difference. And and you could hear him playing, mm-hmm. but you being louder than him. And then it just came together all of a sudden, and he just knew the right way to play it, and for it to make sense that way. And and that was when Shula and I both looked at each other like, yeah, this this will work. It was. I'll tell you. You know, look. I have no idea if this special is going to resonate. I have no idea if this sh- special is going to do great. I don't know if this special is going to do bad. I know I'm proud of it. But I think when you put so much work and effort in towards that special, two years, I don't have a show on the air, I'm working my ass off. There were so many things over the course of the last three years, even during Sullivan and Son, where things just were not going the way that you think that they're going to go. Uh, I just invested everything into this hour from the fact that when Schuler decided I'm leaving management, my manager for so many years left, and then I have a show on the air, I couldn't get a meeting with any man. Managers didn't even want to meet with me. And here I am. I have a show on the air. I've had three hour, two-hour specials at the time. Nobody would meet with me. Right. 
And then I finally, you know, Kara Baker through the grapevine heard about it. And she's my manager now. Just great. And she took me on. And then Sullivan and Son, three seasons, third hour special, all coming out in the same summer. I'm thinking, as a comic, this is everything I've worked towards. Of course. And no late night talk show appearances, no press, no media, no interviews. Nobody wants anything to do it. I'm just like, do I live in a bizarre universe I, I'm th- I I was thinking to myself, like I was like Mel Gibson for, it's like, did I piss everybody off? Did I right. say something wrong? Because nobody, especially after having a show on the air for three years, this is my third season coming out, and right. I have a third hour special. At the same time, nobody wants to interview. It's crazy. I went into a deep depression. I almost quit stand-up comedy. And then the show got canceled. And then I really almost thought about quitting everything. And there was a moment where my wife and I, Jess, you know, we had a lot of conversations and I really was like, it seems like nobody cares. I've achieved a lot of things, but nobody gives a shit. And life pulls you back in. And it's like, I have a kid. I have a kid on the way. I got to go on the road. I got to make money. And we talked about moving to Wyoming. We talked about moving to Florida. I, I was gonna. I, I was like, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll teach. I don't know. I really had some deep, dark nights where I was like, it was bad. It was real bad. And uh, you know, again, life intercedes, and I had to put food on the table for my family. So I got out there, and I just said to myself, you know what? Fuck it. Let's get back to what you know how to do. Let's work our ass off. Let's put everything into this hour. And that's why that last bit means so much to me. And when I had Jemiah on stage with me and he was playing it and I saw you and Schuler come up and the you, you guys were just like, do it. Yeah. Both of you instantly. That to me was the moment where I was like, I'm so proud of this hour. Right. I think that this bit's going to be great. No matter whether people think it's the the hour whatever i i just think that there's something significant about this the message and what i'm trying to convey at the end of this because i had uh the the impetus for that too why i decided to do this message at the end which you guys will see i'm not going to do it now but i had posted with there was these mass shootings here that happened in the states just a few two weeks after what happened in france right and I had posted that when the thing happened in France, everybody's posting these French flags as their profile right. pictures. But then we have a mass shooting here like literally a week and a half later, and nobody posted an American flag. Right. And so I wrote a little comment. I changed my profile picture of the American flag, and I did it on Facebook. And I showed it to my wife. I go, look at how many people viewed this. Seven million people viewed and shared that post. And I thought... People that that message resonated with people, and I kept thinking about my kids, my kids, my kids with this hour and the lessons that I try to pass on to them. And then I thought, why don't I do something meaningful in the message at the end right. of my special that is this way as well? But it all ties the hour together as well. So it was just it just took a little bit of time to come up with it all, and then uh, I wrote it, I memorized it, and I did it literally over the course of the last four weeks leading up to the date that I had in stone, February 6th. And then when Jemiah Rogers was kind enough to accept it, the deal and then come up and play with me, when you guys said, that's great, I just felt like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be really proud of this no matter it, well, what. Well, it so. is interesting because you, during the first taping, you teared up a little bit as you were starting the bit 
which you know we, everybody <laughs> everybody was asking me who was at the special yeah. was that staged and I said I don't think so I've never seen him do that kind of tearing up or getting emotional before yeah. he starts that bit and then what was great is so it's it's going to be interesting to see how the edit comes together but the second taping Jemiah did something very very funny yeah with his guitar when you were doing some of that that just fit perfectly in terms of what you were looking for. I mean, it it couldn't have been scripted any better. I mean, like, yeah. he did it so impromptu that it was so great the way he did it. And it was crazy because I asked you, too, I, when I was with you at your last special a couple years ago in New York, I was like, I don't remember anybody being here. Your family wasn't here. I, your mom and dad certainly weren't there. Yeah. And there was just so many just his parents were I mean like I couldn't believe how many people because when I met you Friday night mm-hmm. I'd flown in a little bit later and you said hey this is where we're eating meet us up here and I literally walked upstairs to think it was just going to be you and two other people hanging out at the bar I walk in and there's like a, a captain's table of like 18 people I'm like yeah. who the fuck are these people like yeah. you know and I didn't realize Jess's family was there so I I knew that if, if all of them were there that must have meant a lot for you to feel that confident to say like, Hey, I want all these people by my side for this taping. So yeah. And even to have my folks introduce me, I think yeah. there's more of a family aspect towards this one. And it's just like you said in the private, you know, this is a lot more personal and I'm really proud of this one. And I don't want to harp on and on and pat myself on the back. I'm not trying to do a victory lap. I'm just trying to give folks some insight as towards, you know, the little moments that make an hour and how hard you work towards so those hard. things. And how to just maybe make things a little different. And, uh, uh, you know, look, this is the most proud I've ever been uh, of an hour I've ever done. And I really, really am excited for you all to check it out. And I cannot thank you enough, Gary, by the way, for being such a great friend over the course of Sullivan and Son and working with me and opening with me and being very honest with me. And you've had a lot of, uh, you know, your opinions has guided me towards, um, you know, making this the best hour I think I've ever done because I've relied on on you and your opinion and you know you, you've been very honest with me in terms of what you liked and what you didn't like and it, it's helped me so thank you very much again well you're welcome although I wish I would have known or had been in those discussions when you and Jess were talking about you quitting because I would have guided you in a different way okay and you guys would be in Wyoming oh, right now you're the fucking worst. I'm just telling um, you what I would have done and so we that's are bad, hold on a second now can we, I tell you for, this yes? I come home from <laughs> Chicago and I have a set of flowers yeah. waiting for me outside and I just thought these guys are on top of it they're congratulating me I cannot thank them <laughs> enough and we are a few days out on Valentine's Day so you thought you thought the, the production sent you those who do you think sent no, you no, those no 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 oh from we get from yeah. Pro Flowers exactly awesome. yeah so so I got these great flowers sent to me from Pro Flowers you got a big box I did and my girlfriend opened them up and I knew what they were from and she said hey did you send me these and I said of course I did and I said <laughs> you are you, the worst you mean there was no card in there and 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 they she I I said I'm so pissed off and meanwhile I I knew for a fact that they <laughs> but it's only I mean Valentine's Day is literally less than a week away right yeah. it's so crazy so we were give they sent us these beautiful Beautiful flowers from Pro Flowers, and uh, they're offering our listeners two dozen assorted roses plus a free glass vase uh, for just twenty nine ninety nine. I mean, that's it. Because I got the. By the exact way, same for val- I order flowers all the time. I'm not. I don't even joking. For like my manager, for friends, for whatever to say thank you, whatnot. To get how many two dozen roses for twenty nine ninety nine? That's crazy. A f- that's a steal. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it because. 
We're pump. Uh, that really is genuinely a steal. And you could actually upgrade um, to. Uh, you could do long stems with uh, a cherry red vase and uh, chocolates for just nine ninety nine more. So here's what you do. This is uh, really really simple. You just go to proflowers.com, uh, right, and then uh, use the code dojo, which is us, right? Yeah. Uh, quick, easy, and uh, delivery for Valentine's Day is guaranteed. Um, the Pro Flowers will last seven days or your money back. Might have lasted because I got them like a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pro Flowers, they just take care of everything. So all you got to do is uh, go to proflowers.com, and then there's a microphone in the top right corner, and you type in Dojo, uh, and that is how you get the great deal for the two dozen for uh, twenty nine ninety nine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful, and I, I really took credit for them being delivered when I absolutely <laughs> but look, did not. You're a guy, of you're going to get flowers anyways. Do it here, save yourself some money. proflowers.com, use the code dojo. I, uh, save money. I told Why you, waste the money I told because you. you're going to get raked over the coals by another site. I told you that great story when I was in high school, there was a girl that I really liked. I liked her a lot her name was Stacy and her every, name was Jimmy. <laughs> the gym teacher and every year on Valentine's Day, you could buy a flower for somebody, yeah. and they would send it to the classroom, and you know this, that, and the other thing. So St- Stacy and I were—I really, really liked her, but she didn't really care for me. And you know, we, we tried to go on a date, everything, all this other stuff, right? So one day we're in a classroom, and knock on the door, they were delivering the flowers, yeah. And I get a flower, and it says—I uh, I look at the envelope, and it says, uh, "Hey, Gary, it's Stacy. Really want to work things out with you." It was Valentine's Day. I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." End up calling her that night, and she said, I never sent you anything. Oh. And it turns out it was my friends oh. who paid the $3, bought the rose, and had it sent to the classroom. <laughs> and I was so mad, not because they did it, but because I didn't think of it first. Oh. I was so pissed off. I'm like, you assholes, because I was so bummed that I didn't have the creativity or the wit to think of doing it <laughs> to another friend first. I, I remember it said, call me later tonight, and I called her, and she said, I have no idea what the hell you're talking That's about. That's great. So, yeah, proflowers.com uh, backslash. Or uh, go to the mic and hit dojo and uh, get the uh, two dozen flowers. And by the way, I just want to say because we had so much fun in Chicago, yeah. and uh, you know, Bill, uh, me, Bill, and Garrett drank a lot on Friday night. And Crawford and I get back to the hotel room. And he's like, "I'm so hungry. I want to order food. Let's get a pizza." So I said, "Dude, I'm awake. He's under the covers, telling me the commands of what right. he wants." I order us a pizza. I said, "Dude, if you're gonna fall asleep, you better not fall asleep." He's sawing logs in three minutes and, I'm, <laughs> I, and I wake up again I'm like dude the pizza's on I'm up I'm up I call and cancel the pizza because I know that he's not going to have any but I just wanted to say thanks to all of our Jojo listeners Farad we oh, had such God. a great time hanging out with him Farad uh, he came to ball the with PTA us. the girls the PTA girls uh, we Jennifer uh, Jennifer Kim the uh, the Impractical Jokers crew, um, the Love Jokers group, and then uh, Joe. He was so much fun. Joe Peterson was so much fun to yeah. hang out with. We just had a blast. And, you know, it's so funny. You realize how the podcast affects people when you get a chance to go on the road and meet these people. And, you know, it's it just it, it's just a great experience. So, But I will tell you, uh, all, ball, all ball busting aside, that I've never seen somebody work harder and put in so much work to get what they wanted out of the special. And, you know, I know that once you see it, you're going to be really, really happy with how it looks. And, um, I mean, what's next now when you start, you take a little time off and then <laughs> jump into, no, I'm asking. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, well, you take a little time off and then jump into your Take a little time off, hang with the family and then, uh, get back to work and see what happens. Is yeah. there any way I can convince you to move to Wyoming? I go. think that if you, you could I be the house MC at the Wyoming Cheyenne funny bone. Oh, well, God. nobody wants to listen to my thoughts, I guess. No, that's why All you've right. never had an hour. 
Or half hour. <laughs> or 10 minutes. Or 10 minutes. <laughs> or an invite for 40. <laughs> or an invite for Kona. Or an invite for Amy. The first person to criticize yet has no credits. Unbelievable. <laughs> I cannot. You. Thank you enough, honestly. Of course. So the hour will be coming out in a few months. We got to edit it. We got to package it. We got to see who's going to acquire it. But uh, we think we know where it's going to go. But look, proud of it. And you don't get to do an hour without testing it out on the road. So if you've seen me, if you come to the shows, if you've been supportive, I want to say thank you. Love you. Thanks for checking it out. And I hope you guys will like the finished product. And thank you again, Gary, for being a part of it. Thank you, buddy. And thanks to everybody in Chicago and Lincoln Hall and Zinnies. They were great. Martine. Skyline. And Scotty over at Tavern on the Green. Scotty Lindwall, Tavern on Rush. Just the best. That Uh, was so much fun. He was So keep it in touch at Canon Comedy, at Steve Byrne Live. At All Things Comedy. Um, Guys, let us know what you think of the dojo. Keep the reviews coming on iTunes. We love you. And happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Go to proflowers.com.